0: Yo, what's up, Beat the fans? I'm Dre, one of your hosts of the podcast. Today's episode is pretty special because it is our last recording of the year as we close out 2022. So of course, we wanted to reflect back over this year, kind of highlight some of the most unexpected surprises, like Ukraine actually standing up to Russia, to the crypto markets imploding, to Elon buying Twitter for $40 billion. I don't think anybody saw that happening. We also lay out some pretty wild predictions for 2023, like tight crypto regulation happening, to TikTok maybe getting banned in the U.S., to some pretty wild things that we think might happen in the world of AI. So I think this
1: episode is pretty special. So let's go ahead and get into it. But I think we're about to hit streaming 2.0. And we all know when it comes to streaming businesses, one of the, I think, competitive advantages is not only the content, but the economics of the content. Like how much does it cost to actually produce this, which impacts like the profits, and I think going back to what we were just saying about AI, like as AI continues to become more multimodal, improve, especially in terms of the generative, like functionality, trust me, Netflix is figuring out right now, how are we going to take advantage of this? Disney, they figuring out right now, how we are going to take advantage of this?
0: Yo, guys, what's going on? It's, it's great to be back recording another episode. Last week, we took a little bit of a break because of the holidays, but I'm really excited to be back. I actually missed recording with y'all. I was ready to go last week. I was pretty hyped yeah, about it, yeah. uh, but I know life I, happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna even going to lie, Brad. Like Last week was difficult to do it, but it yeah. definitely was one of those things that I've grown to expect and enjoy being a yeah. part of my routine. So I'm glad we're here today.
2: First and foremost, happy holidays. But I also say to give the listeners some context: we're all from very cold places. Ireland right now is in Chicago, the windy city. Me and Dre, so me and Dre are from Detroit, and uh, yeah, now Detroit was also very record-breaking cold. And uh, last week, last <laughs> cold week was an very- understatement. <laughs> cold, yeah, cold is just being humble about it. But the cascades of that obviously were lots of flights and delays and cancellations, and obviously we could talk about that. But let we can let's. I definitely think that we should talk about the future, though. What we see upcoming and just based on what we know from this year.
1: You yeah, actually want to say something, actually. Yeah. Um, I think in order to really like have a good understanding of like where things are going, it's really good to reflect on where things currently are at. Sure. And so I guess a question I would throw out to y'all is what has been some of your biggest surprises of 2022 and what have been some of the things that at the beginning of this year, you were like, yeah, that's going to take off or this is how the world is going to look or be shaped. And you were just wrong. I'm just curious.
2: Yeah. I would say I would, the first thing that came to mind that I was surprised about, and it was like, I guess the end of the year gift from OpenAI was this chat GPT situation. That shocked me. I'm not going to lie. I've been in technology since I was building computers in my room at 12 years old and I've always been excited and inspired by tech. But a lot of the times, not every year is something sh- record breaking or anything like that. The AI thing was, that shocked me. I ain't gonna lie, that shocked me. So I'll say that I couldn't have predicted that no matter what I would have thought of. That was outside my box. Like was, my, my my box didn't include anything like that. And outside of technology, I was shocked by, I was surprised by Yay and Kyrie situation. I didn't anticipate those back to, those situations happening back to back. Obviously, he's a wild card, so you can't really predict anything he's gonna do from a cultural standpoint. And Kyrie's also similar in the case. One day, he might think the earth is flat. The next day, he might think something else. He's doing sage around the court, so can't really predict either of these people, but I didn't predict people painting them as a hateful people. I didn't predict that, because I don't think they're hateful people. I just think that they are radically open-minded and seeking and seekers of truth, and they're not necessarily the most thoughtful, critical thinkers. <laughs> but they have loud microphones. I didn't predict the cultural consequences. So for Ye, that meant Adidas severed ties, which is a huge deal, lowering his status as a as a billionaire, and then also Kyrie losing his Nike deal and many other deals. I didn't expect those things to happen. So yeah. What about you, Drew?
0: I think I would agree with. Everything Rodney said, I didn't expect any of those things either. I would also say I didn't expect Elon to buy Twitter. I didn't even think that was, not that he wasn't possible, not that he wasn't capable of buying it, or not that he wouldn't be interested. I just didn't even see that like coming up on the radar. I think like historically, Elon has always either joined a really early-stage startup and taken an active role to scale it, or he's just started something from the ground up. I can't think of any other transactions that he's made similar to this where he acquired something at this scale maybe not at that price point but just maybe from an impact standpoint so that was just a move that i totally was not expecting to see other than that i think the whole situation in russia and ukraine took me by surprise i know like at least earlier in the year probably probably last year as well i can't really recall because i wasn't really paying attention to it early on until things really started to escalate but I think like the US were kind of talking about the probability of such a like an invasion taking place. But again, it's just US intelligence. The US always is talking about the different intelligence they have and we're always like, Well, we hope that's not really true, but we never really know. And so to see the US kind of giving that intelligence and then to actually see the invasion play out and how it has actually played out was pretty shocking. I think the response by Ukraine itself was shocking too. I totally maybe it's just my western mindset but i totally expected russia to go into ukraine and just like have his will do whatever it wanted to do to that poor country and i'm like damn this is about to force like a big war this is about to be crazy and ukraine resisted in ways that i i was pretty shocked to see so yeah. yeah i think that whole little situation was just pretty shocking you know and then i say the last thing that i wasn't i had speculation about but it is they know how it would play out it's just what's happening with the economy sure. particularly with tech like i i thought like a lot of the impact to the economy will be a little bit more broader. And obviously there are like economic things happening all, all over the place, but it seems like from at least from like, in terms of like companies that have been doing the, the most amount of layoffs have been highly skewed towards tech. I, I don't necessarily know if that's really true or not, but it, it appears to be that way when I'm looking at some of the numbers that I see. And so that was pretty shocking to me. I thought it would be pretty consistent across the board so i was shocked to see it skewed towards tech so yeah those are like some of the things that i was not expecting to see coming into 2022
1: yeah sure. not be honest that ukraine the whole ukraine situation absolutely not did not see that coming from anywhere but the more i started digging into the ukraine situation it just showed me that like oh yeah, this was destined to happen. There's actually this really good video from the University of Chicago, University of Chicago professor that he did seven years ago. And I remember watching this video because it was circulating a little bit on Twitter at the top of the year, and it only had a few thousand views. Today it has 28 million views. And he basically outlined literally back in 2014 how essentially this crisis was happening and the different major players in it he predicted he was like eventually this is going to happen so that's been something that caught me off guard the other thing that caught me off guard as well is i would just say the amount of contagion that was experienced and is continuous continuing to be experienced across crypto the fact that so many players it's one thing to be interconnected but to be so deeply intertwined to where if one player falls your whole existence falls that just tells me that there was no type of risk aversion or thought of hey what is the potential downside of this it was really almost like a casino where people were going in there and placing these bets so that was another thing and then i would also just say um this is something that really surprised me as well. Just tying it back to like our startup experience, this year has been tough, alluding to what you were just saying about the economy. And I know I had to make some tough calls around layoffs and things of that nature. And with that being like my first experience, I didn't know how my teammates may respond. I didn't know if they would, this. I had fears of this putting them in potential bad situations and things of that nature. And that, that those beliefs have turned to be Turned out to be wrong. People actually are doing way better than I anticipated. And so it just taught me that, okay, those type of decisions, when you're in these type of positions that we're in, they're going to happen. But don't look at it, don't look, view those situations through a lens of feeling sad or for people. And I feel like that's just usually the general narrative when people get laid off, which it does suck. But give people grace to know that, like, they're adults. And that they're going to take care of business for themselves. And so it's just shown me the resiliency of people and that. I got to give people a little bit more grace that like they're out here moving correctly.
2: That's for sure. That's for sure. 100% as founders, we definitely take on a lot of responsibility, especially if we have a a team that we know is doing their best towards wherever we're pointing, I guess, the gun to or our heads to. And at the same time, players are also taking risks too. And when they come on board... That's also understanding, too, and it is good to treat people, be confident that they're also taking the steps to protect themselves as well, just like how we should be as too. I do want to comment on the Ukraine thing that Dre mentioned, but you also talked about Brylin. I didn't expect that at all, and I'm not going to lie, it hit closer to home for me than I could have imagined. I guess if I hadn't done a startup, it wouldn't have. Our second engineer that we hired is from Ukraine. And when we, when I first interviewed him, he was a very, he didn't have a lot of tunneling experience, but he had enough and we already had a senior engineer. So I figured, you know what, he was humble and he had the drive to want to learn more. And he was a very, so out of all the engineers that I interviewed, I ended up, ended up joining our team and maybe i want to say roughly three to six months. Later, I remember getting this email from him saying, "There's some stuff going on in Ukraine. I'm not going to be able to do this by this time," and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And mind you, I had just started. I had just heard about Ukraine, and I hadn't even connected. I don't even think I even knew that he lived in Ukraine initially. And when I saw the email, I'm like, "Dude, take as much time as you possibly need. This is crazy. Like, you're in the middle of essentially like being a refugee right now, and you're asking me like." for just human basic decency. Like what type of boss would I be or employer would I be? If I'm like, okay, if you can't get this product out, if you can't rush leave Ukraine and get this product out in a week, then there's no contract for you. No, like I didn't see it like that in, in a way. And I honestly was like, I was humbled by that question. And I was like, take as much time as you need. And this guy, I watched this guy take him and his girlfriend from Ukraine and saw, Asylum and I think Germany and with a friend. And I remember him working out of like a, without giving too much detail, but he worked in like like a basement. So it's his whole Zoom background. So I'm seeing this happen almost in real time. You know what I'm saying? And he started like taking calls from a basement and he wanted to work, he wanted to get paid. And over time he went from, every now and then his girlfriend coming in and out And over time, he went from that to upgrading his, getting his own place with him and his girlfriend. And then he later shared with me that he got like this, just used car and stuff like that. And man, it was humbling and made me feel good to be in a position like I can provide somebody with that opportunity. And in the other scenario where I wasn't an employer, I wouldn't have seen that close up. I wouldn't have seen that person's story like that. Like somebody leaving Ukraine, he just starts a job. He just transitions to a new thing. His girlfriend, I'm not sure if she's working or if she is, work- is working or not working, but whatever the case, they're like dependent on the income. And he flipped it around and he's he's gotten way better. So I just want to say I'm proud of him. And I'm also proud of Ukraine. We definitely thought that Russia had, was stronger than they were, but we also underestimated Ukraine. And I want to say that like I per- personally have witnessed the resilience of at least two people from Ukraine in my personal experience. And I wish I didn't have to, but I did and I see it. And yeah, I'm proud to say that there's some strong people.
0: So yeah, with this being our last recording of the year, I think it'd be great for us to give some predictions looking forward going into 2023. Obviously, we just talked about a lot of things that we didn't expect for 2022. And so I wrote down like seven seven things that I think we'll start to see next year, or at least will be trends. I'm sure there's obviously a lot more than just a seven, but just seven that kind of stuck with me. So I want to just run through them real quick. So the first thing, number one, is I think search will be disrupted. And we've talked about this many times, and I don't want to get too specific on how that disruption looks. I have no idea. Maybe Google is the ones who will come along and disrupt themselves and make search way better than what it is. But I think. Given just what, not even just has happened this year, but just has, what has been happening in general over the past several years in AI, I think it's just only natural that like, that consumer experience needs to be reevaluated. And so I think next year is going to be a lot of advancements in that space. Hopefully we'll Google lead in it. Number two, I think and the banning of TikTok will be a, a hot topic politically next year. I think we talked about this a little bit like in our side group chat. But I think just given the recent moves that we've seen this year, actually, but recently as in the past couple of weeks with several universities banning TikTok on like employee phones, you have government agencies. I think the federal government banned it as well. So yep. there's obviously those big broader moves that are starting to happen. So I think that'll become like a political topic that people will just like hang on to for the sake of hanging on to it. Number three, is I think there's gonna be some tough regulation that's gonna come to the crypto world. And I think that's gonna slow investments in crypto and just new projects that are gonna get off the ground. Even new projects that are probably get into into the projects that the ecosystem really needs. I think just what has happened has just set like a sour taste in the ecosystem. I'm I'm sure we all can agree with that as we talked about, as we reflected on 2022. Number four, I think the creator economy will explode. Um, And I think people are gonna start earning more money part-time, right? I think people are going to find ways to generate more money on a part-time, being more part-time in the creative, in the creator economy. I think like, obviously with all the stuff with AI, what OpenAI is doing with chat GPT, like people being able to leverage these tools to augment their themselves or different functions of a team. I think that's going to be really interesting. The fact that you can hire overseas talent much more easier today than you've ever been able to do it before and just just more tools have been launching to help solo creators to make it easier I think that's gonna be I think next year is gonna be an interesting time for that space number five I think meta will shift more into the AI race and I actually think they're gonna watch something <coughs> magical I don't know exactly like what they will do, but I think meta has one of the largest AI engineering teams in the world they have been early on in that space and using ai with deep within their operations for a long time across content moderation to data science to their ad business like they they have been pioneers in that space alongside google obviously google has been earlier but meta has definitely played a huge role there and so i think they're going to start to see what's happening in that space and they're going to i think they're going to launch something in that space and so i'm excited to see Number six, less business and tech related. I think the Nets are actually going to win a championship. I'm, no, not even a I'm not even a Nets fan, to be honest. I'm a Warriors fan, but if KD and Kyrie are healthy, I just can't see anybody beating them. They're just sensational when they play together. But we'll see. We'll it looks see. good, then, but is it re- really translating? We'll see. That's the thing. If they're healthy, if they're healthy, I think they're going to be tough to beat, man. I just really do. But we'll see. And then last but not least, number seven. I think company earnings across the board are going to be crushed next year. There's already starting to be like a downturn in real estate, higher, I think there'll be higher than expected inflation next year as well. And so I think more broadly, like company earnings in general will, will be really hurt, not even just in the tech world. And so I think given that we're probably going to see some pretty big layoffs. But hopefully I'm, I'm I'm deeply wrong on that one. Obviously like we all remember what happened in 2008, 2009 like how that affected our parents and just like the world around us. So I hope it's nothing even close to that. So yeah, those are like seven predictions that I'm
1: thinking about for 2023. I definitely want to unpack some of them though. All right, let's go for it. Cause, cause at least for me, there's going to be a little bit of overlap, but this, yeah, you've expressed this a few times on the podcast now that search is going to get disrupted. So yeah, like what, what are some of those core assumptions that you're making behind that to support that? Like, why such a strong belief there?
0: I think the evidence is already on the wall, right? First of all, Google has already openly admitted that TikTok has been taking away a lot of search volume from younger cohort of users. I think like 40% of searches for a particular younger group of users were all directed to TikTok. So there's already competitive forces that are putting pressure on Google. I think when you combine that too with some of the things that we're seeing in AI, and this is beyond just open AI this is beyond just chat gpt but what it really comes down to is that people are getting access to these f- foundational tools that they can just use throughout their just throughout their daily workflow and so i think when people start integrating new tools in their daily workflow i think that's going to just take some attention away from google why do i need to go to google if i'm using some ai tool for work for some for work anyway right or for something else why do i need another tool right it's gonna be why am i going to google when i can just use the thing that i'm already using for daily work anyway where whereas google probably was that tool so i just think like google's already just facing these other threats and again i'm not saying that google will be disrupted maybe they'll disrupt themselves but i think search from a consumer standpoint and how we as consumers think about where we go when we want to find information i think that is changing and so i don't i think if google doesn't believe that which i do believe they believe that but if they didn't believe that i think they would be in trouble gotcha
1: okay and then yeah so crypto regulation i'm actually curious kind of there as well like how are you thinking or how are you envisioning that those crypto regulations happening because since it is that's the thing about crypto there's the centralized part of it there's the decentralized part of it where do you regulate do you rele- relegate on the protocol level? Do you relegate on the company? Like, the company, like how do you, like how are you thinking about that? Or how do you see that plan?
0: Yeah, I don't even know. I don't have a right answer to that. And to be honest, I don't even think our politicians who, <laughs> to be honest, who yeah. even get to decide how that regulation should get set even understands how to even approach that right now. I think what may end up happening, and I can be completely off based on this approach, but I think potentially what could happen is that the government is going to come in with just a hammer and just start making rules and then trying to see like how those rules are affecting the ecosystem because i think at this point like it is very clear that something needs to be done right and when you're in a moment where like something where there's almost like a moment of desperation in a sense you just have to act fast right like the worst thing you can do is act slow right like the consequences of acting slow is what we see around us. That's the calamity we see around us when people are losing their retirement, people losing real money. That's what happens when you act slow. And so I think now regulators are just going to make decisions and some of those will be really good and some of those will be really bad. And I think we'll just have to go through several series of edits before we really get before we really get to something where it's, it's equally balanced on both sides.
2: One thing I want to add to that something that comes to mind as far as and this could be like a surface level idea i spend most of my time on security not crypto so bear with me but i do believe that the protocol level is not worth regula- regulating this is to me because it's engineering you really can't reg- regulate that type of stuff for example when somebody created the design for a gun once that design gets released into the wild it's there forever no matter what government Steps in or it's able to be built. The blueprint is there Mm -hmm. now. I would say company level for sure. For example, I think that it was not clear to like Brian said earlier, it was not clear to a lot of crypto consumers that a lot of these companies were reliant on other companies. For example, I was a consumer of some tokens on Voyager, I had no idea that FTX was even involved with Voyager in any type of way. And now, like, they've been purchased by I think Binance or something like along the lines of that. Either way, I had no idea. They were in, operating as an independent company, and that's what I assumed them to be. And then also, I would say, crypto companies can't get away with basically not insuring people. Because basically what I see is the people being victims primarily. And then these companies, to a certain extent, are too. But they have a lot more buffer to shield themselves from the effect of a big fraud as opposed to like individuals like what... When Dre mentions like retirement, being lost, like that hits me. Like I feel that those are realities that people have to deal with and nobody can save them from that. And if they can, it will be, it won't be right now. It'll be after they figure it out or after they have to adjust. So I think that there should be some level of financial accountability for companies to provide almost like how the FDIC guarantees up to a certain amount for, for banks to be able to insure your money. So yeah, something along the
1: lines of that. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. You made a good point around like the protocol. Like once the technology is out there, the technology is like out there. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll save my thoughts on 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 that. But that was a very intriguing thought that you just made there. But yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm, see, I'm seeing how you see in the future, man. These yeah. little bets. Yeah. 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 Was uh, that in a priority order? Like in terms of how you, in terms of your confidence, like one was like, I'm most confident on this happening to et cetera, et cetera, or was there just talking a random word?
0: The list of pred- predictions? Yeah. I didn't necessarily write it intending for it to be in like a level of confidence, like the order to be in that level. But now that I'm looking at it, yeah, I can see that. I can see that order being ranked that way, but I didn't intend for it to be that way.
2: I can see, I see what Dre's saying about search because for example open ai is basically an interface away from being disrupting google and what i mean by that is let's say there's a million engineers working towards trying to beat google with OpenAI's ai's technology let's just say there are a million different variations of that user interface one person or five people out of that million people that are like working towards like beating google might make that right product and that's something that google has to think about will it kill the company no it won't kill the company will it affect them yes will it happen? And so my prediction is google comes out with something that may have otherwise been detrimental to their business and they wouldn't have done had the stakes had not been raised higher by for example chat gbt and things of that nature. I'm already getting it. I myself and using it more often. I've even put it in my bottom four apps on the iPhone. You have those bottom four, I put it in there. So like that goes to show. I introduced it to my mom, my brother. It's, it has crazy potential. And obviously Google doesn't want you to find the answer quickly because they make more money if you don't. Not saying they want you to spend all day looking for the answer, but it definitely, they make more money when you can't find the answer. And what I noticed about OpenAI is that They're often offering you facts while you're looking for an answer. So it seems like they're trying to provide as much value upfront for free, which is a very strategic thing for them to do. But one of the facts that they put out, if you've been watching, if you, if you open up chat GPT, they always have the, did you know facts? And as a security person, one of the facts were, did you know that nearly 50% of small businesses are targeted by cyber attacks, right? And so that stat or (laughs) that stat and let me actually make sure I'm getting it right. Did you know f- uh, nearly 50% of cyber attacks target small businesses? So that's critical because that's basically saying that almost like 99% of the businesses in America are small businesses. So so basically every business in America is under attack by cyber attacks. And why is that important? One, like I said, like without this being necessary, I don't want to make this an ad, but I'm in the security business, and I was listening to the All In podcast with uh, Freeberg, Shamoff, and Sachs, and Jason. And I, Freeberg had, I believe, predicted the war, which I, I didn't predict, I couldn't have seen that. But subsequently, he also pre- predicted defense stocks being winners. And that makes sense when you can see attacks going up, or you can see the idea of the, a war coming. Because naturally speaking, if we're, if we're sending weapons, or we're sending, self, we're sending weapons, we'll have less weapons, we need new weapons, or also we want to have improvements on them and naturally increases the value. And so I think that, I mentioned this before we started the podcast, we have this place where essentially the war starts on the physical level and then the next level is the one that you can't see, the one that's not obvious. And so I think that's like the more of the internet war. And I predict that there's gonna be many more attacks on businesses. I predict that they will be more complex and harder to detect. And it's important for us to think about that. I also think that, I also think that, I guess I'll just leave it there for now. I don't think I have, I had some other ones, but they're not coming to mind right now. So I'll leave that be, but for the most part, it just goes back to my predictions are AI is gonna change search a lot in the next year. And then also I do believe there's crypto regulations for sure coming. So I'm also in line with that. And like I said, defense and internet security, is going to, I believe, is going to be significantly important going forward. Uh, yeah. Nah. I, I,
1: I, are there any specific like defense companies or like defense stocks you've been looking into?
2: Safe stock, safe stock. My <laughs> <laughs> answer is no, I'm primarily, the answer is no. I, mean, I was shocked. I was you know what, I shouldn't be shocked because if there's a war going on, the logic train follows. It's obvious why defense stocks would be going up. I haven't had enough time to look into it because I just found out this information maybe like a week ago. So I don't have any, but just based off the general sentiment of what I see in the internet as far as cyber attacks, and then also seeing like the tensions of the war in real life, and how defense response to that naturally speaking is going to be a similar response I would assume in the in the internet so it's like a parallel I've, I
0: have a friend who works at Lockheed Martin and I think they're like the biggest government defense government yeah. contractor and he said business is thriving for them so
2: yeah, uh, I bet, yeah. I bet. So
0: that's one company. I think their stock is up like forty or fifty percent or something like that. Man. This year. It's up quite a bit. So yeah, yeah. That may be one. This is not financial advice, by the way. Again, that's just, yeah. one, that's just one company. Perhaps, perhaps take a look at. I think the other company that I'm actually really excited about. They're a startup, so they're not a pub- not a public company where you can actually look at the price of their shares. But I think it's and- Andro is the name of the company. I might be pronouncing it incorrectly, but it was started by the guy who by palmer lucky who started oculus, oculus founder are you from, are you guys familiar with andrew the what, what no no he? i'm not no oh man so you guys should look into them They're very first of all he's a very interesting guy at first he had a negative public perception about him they made me not like him i was like this guy is an asshole i don't like him yeah but then i started listening to him speak and i'm like no i actually really do like him a lot he's actually yeah. really, uh-huh. he's actually a really smart guy and i actually think a lot of the things that he is doing makes a lot of sense. But anyway, this defense company he started, super interesting. They're a hot startup right now. They're valued at ten tens of billions of dollars right now. But they completely like just flip the financing on his head for how like defense work gets gets purchased by the government. So today, like oh. if you're a defense company and you make a product, you basically go to the government, you get a contract, the government contract gives you basically unlimited money. To, to build out some program. And so you can imagine like with that incentivize, that incentivizes the program to be delayed. That incentivizes crazy spending. You can imagine what that spend, with that incentivizes when you got $20 billion from the government and they're telling you to go build something. So what drill does basically is they spend their own money off their own balance sheets producing products, and then they sell those products to the government. So like they built like a drone a counter drone defense system they can like take out drones they built a lot of interesting things and basically they sell it to the government it's a fantastic business and yeah I'm really excited to to see what they're doing but again that that is one company that eventually will go public and so when you ask like the questions the like what companies to look at that is one that that uh, people should be looking at and if you're looking for a job as an early employee there's probably some stock option opportunities on the table for them
2: Dre. I never heard of them and I said in the side check, please drop that link. I love their business. Oh yeah. And what I wanna say is as somebody in the securities, a lot of it is about like defense and the thing about defense is there is like preventative but there's also like actual tools that are on the offensive. And you just described a company in which case they sit or they study like the current maybe uh, tools and products out there for defense and then take it a step further in their thought. And build like a defense for that, and which is actually a benefit because they're basically saying, Hey, look, you're going to need this because uh, you're going to need this because somebody can come up with something better. To, that, that's uh, exactly how yeah. they approach it, bro. And when you
0: yeah. hear Left talk about it, that's literally yeah. how they think about it. They're like, okay, yeah. countries are going to be using drones and attacks, there are yeah. going to be hypersonic, these yeah. things are facts, they're going to be there. You yeah. are going to need this solution. Yeah. So we're just gonna build the best solution possible. Yeah. And then you're not gonna you're not gonna want to go anywhere else because yeah. this is the best way to buy it. So yeah. that's exactly what he did. I just dropped it in the chat. Yeah. You should definitely yeah. look at them. Yeah. There could be some interesting things you can take away for safe there. That company mm-hmm.
2: is definitely gonna need. And even like with our company, the companies that their mission ultimately come include protecting people and just in general. Or they're gonna need oversight at some point because the power of these companies significant because it's. A, I love the business Ooh, I love the business I like everything as you were talking I was falling in love with the business. Yeah. like I love what he's doing because that's essentially what I, how I got like a lot of these behind me I'm like you see these vulnerabilities you're gonna need to pass these you're gonna need to protect yourself from these and that that led to a lot of venture capital dollars but going back to my original point though long term there's gonna need to be oversight, because these companies will also be targeted by really bad actors, like security companies specifically, because if was already a big reward for hitting individuals or large companies. Imagine the reward when you just hit the defense system directly, you get access to the defense system directly. That's a whole nother level, because now everybody that they protect You essentially have broad scale access and yeah, certain things I just think about, but I just wanted to throw that out there.
0: Actually, you you actually got me thinking now because what they're building is like the hardware, software and service combined, but Mm -hmm. still a lot of software opportunity for governments to be like, there's a lot of software infrastructure that the government has that needs to be protected. Not even just the government, there's... A lot of software infrastructure in general, yeah. you kind of, you already mentioned it, Ronnie, when you said, was it 50% of yes. small businesses are under cyber attacks Yeah, and that's internet attacks. But then you think about like, the phone scams, yes. the text messages scam, like it is, it is so pervasive it's, now. Like it
2: works up. because man, in times of war and also in times of need or times of desperation, man, yeah. genius comes out of people. And here's the thing. I yeah. think sometimes people think that criminals are dumb. No, we have some of these criminals are like some of the most intelligent people, and yeah. if you put an intelligent person back against the wall, man. Some of the things they come up with to to get out of that it could be very dangerous. For example, we had we had we have we created we've created nukes, so we've done all these crazy things that we created because of the fear of war or the fear of being. So you intelligent people can come up with a lot of it's interesting stuff. So. But yeah, I definitely take a look at that. I would love to see that company. is also funneling making it easier for software companies to get government contracts. If they're not, that's clearly an opportunity there because the government's also, we can pretty much assume that they're not moving as fast as they probably could be in the software space.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm definitely got to do more research in that, in, in that area. It sounds very intriguing. Definitely has my attention. Yeah, so I have a few predictions. It may go against some of the things that y'all have said, but I, I my my first prediction is I don't think yeah, I don't think ChatGPT is going to disrupt search, and the reason why I don't think that is because of two things. Yeah, and this will lead to another prediction, but the first thing is I think OpenAI, I think they're going through an identity crisis right now where they have to either choose to be an API infrastructure business or they have to choose to be a consumer business. You can't be both, and I think the why? the way – Why.
0: Because I don't think that's true. I don't think that's a true statement. There, I can name several companies that do both really well, but so why?
1: It's, yeah. So in terms of think about that, if I am building artificial general generative general intelligence, right, and I it, it, I'm basically saying it can do everything. But is, so is why? That
0: what they're is that what they're saying? I don't they're building AGI. That's
1: what they're. I don't necessarily think that's what they're saying. What do you, 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 you hear?
0: I'm not – it's not even just with his sand, I'm just going by, like, with the products they're making, right? These are very narrow products. These are not – What do you mean? What do you these, mean? These, what is narrow making, product? They're, they're not making AI that can do everything. Like, I, I would no, say – No, the foundational
1: the, the, models are meant to be able to do anything and everything.
0: That's – No, I their, get their I, I get vision AGI.
1: That. I,
0: I get that. But what I'm saying to you is I think the distance between that desire – and where they are today is so far. That's okay. That's just like a company. That's just like a company saying. That's just like Facebook saying we want to connect every single person in the world. Yeah, that's super ambitious. And yeah, that's that is possible in some future. But the dif- the distance between that idea and that vision and the reality of that is just really far. So what I'm saying is, I understand that being the mission of what OpenAI claims to want to do. But I'm just saying I think they're just really far they're really far from doing that, and so in that, and so just from that context, I can see a world where they can play the product API infrastructure layer and also release consumer products. I don't think it, they necessarily have to pick one or the other right now because I, again, I think they're so far from that general intelligence ideal of what we think about as general artificial intelligence.
2: Brian I got something for you actually so when you said G- G- chat GPT is not going to disrupt search if you say that in a very specific sense I agree with you and too, by the way and that's why I when I was talking earlier I and maybe we're still in this but when I was talking earlier that's why I have the idea of a million people a million engineers or a million engineering teams Racing towards beating Google, not necessarily OpenAI doing it, but just because now they now engineers see that this is possible, that it creates that race. So OpenAI doesn't have to be so like ChatGPT doesn't have to be the one doesn't have to be the one. It just needs to be one out of these billion people that know, like that can come up with, you know, like, hook it up. No, so, so I you agree with it, you. Like, so
1: I agree with you there. Yeah. But that's why I don't think my prediction is open ai is actually going to shut down chat be- chat gpt they, right? might, they might yeah they I, might. and the reason why is they've already explicitly said yeah. it's a large scale research project and then the second thing too is like there was this engineer from deepmind that ran the numbers and and basically what he said is basically each query is essentially costing chat gpt 3 cents per query and that's approximately 3 million, et cetera, per month right now at the current scale of ChatGPT. If ChatGPT was to scale to the size of Google, which is 10 billion queries a day, that would bring their cost to $110 billion a year. That's just like, when I hear that, that does not make sense for them to be a consumer company because right. how are they going to monetize that? Okay. And so where, if you're an infrastructure company, yeah. a lot of those costs are passed on to...
2: That's true. They could also. That's true. You actually going into an interesting conversation here. And follow you. I'm gonna follow you. Yeah, this yeah. Kind yeah. Of, this is very interesting. This kind of reminds me of a little bit like Apple. Apple will make the platform you build on, right? And then Amazon will do the same thing. And you'll launch a product or you'll launch like a feature, like a product on Amazon or Apple or whatever. And ultimately, they'll focus on the platform and their marketplace or whatever. But in the future, though, when they start to look at all the things that are doing very well. They they make that clone They're like that clone is gonna come, but it may not. I do think like Jack should be like one. You actually made me think about how many experimental products that are in open AI that they haven't put out. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually crazy because they. This might just be one of, just one of the things that just uh, just a use case, This one use case that they just threw out there. I think
1: and, no, and I think that's really that's really what it is. It's it was one of those ingenuine, very simple, obvious ideas yeah. that academia had not considered, and they yeah. did it, and they did it at such a scale in which Sam Ultimate, he talks about this all the time. The product is just that damn good, mm-hmm. and because of that they're able to, I think their advantage right now isn't. The fact that, oh, a lot of people are using chat GPT, which is cool with, which, which is great for a lot of data. And obviously this is validating a market need, but if I'm thinking about a lot of the other moves that they're making, so say for example, through their their converge fund, right? Where they're investing in a ton of startups right now and giving a ton of startups access to their early foundational models and things of that nature. You would not be trying to build something that could potentially compete with these businesses if... Like it, it wouldn't make sense for your investment. And so the way I see them doing this, and I'm like, bro, this low-key can turn out to be genius. What if they're with ChatGPT, They're basically validating that there's a market need for this, and they just snatch it away. And the thing about it is they've planted their technology across so many different companies to where, yes, these people still have this need, but they have to start going to look towards other people. And when they yeah. start to look towards other people, guess what? They're inherently coming back to open AI because they've spread… They've basically spread their foundational model across all these different companies, and it
2: traps them. It traps them. It's like a, it traps them. It traps the ecosystem into being dependent on their uh, their uh, analogy, essentially. I mean, not, not, trap "traps" maybe the wrong word, but yeah, it's like yeah. they're dependent on. Yeah,
1: it's that dependency.
0: But I think, yeah, I, the,
2: the, but the I still, profit, think, they, the profit, yeah, I still sure.
0: think, though, that they can still compete, though, on both ends, though. Like, I think that idea of like, you got to do one or the other is just, I don't believe that to be true. And I think yeah. the best example of that is what AWS and Amazon does, right? AWS and Amazon are running two parallel businesses that where one is targeted at consumers, one is targeted at businesses, and there is definitely competitive overlap across those two customer segments very much so for Amazon um, on both the infrastructure side and on like their streaming video side. I mean, they literally power infrastructure for Netflix and a bunch of other video streaming services yeah. and they also have their own. So like they, they compete against that. So I think, think what they have done, right. What Amazon has done. And I think this is the same thing that chat GPT will do. Like not chat GPT, but open AI will do as a company is Amazon looked at it and said, okay, we have all these infrastructure calls. This is Amazon's core business strategy. And this is why I think they're so good at what they do. They have always taken a cost center from their business and turned it into a revenue center, right? They took infrastructure and said, hey, we paying all this money in server costs, all this shit, building these data centers. We're going to turn this into a revenue center, and we're going to allow people to rent by the hour, by the minute, whatever servers and AWS is born, right? They take the same thing with their logistic network and say, we're spending all this money with UPS, FedEx, all these shipping companies. Why don't we just start Air Prime, start our own shit and lower those margins and then charge businesses to so then ship on that? So then they do that. That's Amazon's – That's that, that has literally been their strategy. And so I think when you have a business like OpenAI that, where you're right, Brian, they have high infrastructure costs when they have those high infrastructure costs. But I don't necessarily think those high infrastructure costs don't mean they can't compete on consumer. I think what that really means is that they just got to ramp up how they monetize that so that they can go and maybe – and try to tackle some of those – maybe some of those greater ambitions if they choose to go into consumer. But I highly doubt they would pull. I, I don't see them pulling a the plug on chat GPT with the fanfare that they have with the engagement. They have knowing that these guys are, first of all, they're YC guys. So they always talk about traction and how, what that means.
1: I, I just don't see them pulling a the plug on a successful, you know, successful but, consumer product. But this is, the traction the we're, doing that. this is the traction we're not talking about. We're talking about the traction that chat GPT has, but we're not talking about the, the, tra- the cumulative traction across sure. the infrastructure layer that sure. they've laid. But that sure.
0: infrastructure sure. traffic that you're talking about is what is going to lower the cost for chat GPT to even Hello. be able to be used. That's what I'm saying. I agree with you right now. Yes, you're right. The cost for that 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 product is very high. 100% is very really high. You're right. So in order to get that cost down, I started. don't think the solution is to pull it from the market. I think the solution is to ramp up on the infrastructure, side, like you said, which is let's get more companies on this shit. Let's get more companies paying us, more companies building on that shit because now we can drop those costs down. Not to say, And also to add, they have Microsoft as a partner. So I think whatever cost it you, that the guy did, I think he might be a little off because – they are using Microsoft's infrastructure, so they have a, a cost advantage there. Whatever I understand, like there's public costs around Azure and like the yeah, compute costs,
2: yeah, but they have a pure free. cost
0: advantage because they're dealing with Microsoft. Let's be honest there. So
2: it, it costs, but yeah, it's Microsoft. So at the it's Microsoft, Microsoft, and that gives so. them
0: economies of scale from an infrastructure yeah. cloud scale. noticed
2: how quickly they were putting up new servers. Like, that's not something they would be able to do. They were like an independent like startup. Like exactly the speed at which they were putting up new servers, I, I thought was like there's just no way they could be doing that in, in Independently. Another thing I want to say is that I think Brian is interesting, and Dre too. It's the order in which they're doing this. I think mm-hmm. it's the order because they seem like they're taking, for example, like a stripe approach, but also dabbling in these like the it's like the scientific or use case thing. Like they're dabbling in the. But if I had to guess, here's what I'll say: It's possible for them to create a consumer product. I just, I don't think though that they have hired for that. I don't think they've hired for that right now. I think that they primarily hired for just like the foundational mm-hmm. stuff that, that Brian's talking about at the same time, I do think what Dre's saying is that they could go in another direction or add an additional direction. But if I had to guess, I feel like they're, yeah, like they're just really, really good at like Stripe type of infrastructure play, API play. That's what they're like really good at. And it just so happens that they are able to build a product because for example, when I use chat, first of all, it's called chat G- a GPT. <laughs> let's just let's that's pause. That's a mouthful. A Can we be honest?
0: What was Google, though, when we first heard it? Let's be honest. Google wasn't obvious.
2: It wasn't, yeah, bro, like, oh, it's that's the search but, yeah, yeah, Come G-T. on. G-T. But, but wait, Rodney, you're G-T. hitting on a really good point here. you are supposed to do two syllables. Goo. You know what I'm saying? Dog, that's a, like, it's supposed to be like super. Yeah, no, I, I feel that. I feel that. It, the branding brand, brand is not
0: there for sure. But,
2: but this
1: is why it's going to come down to the branding. I think, Dre, you made some really good points around the cost advantages and things of that that they have. But the branding is going to come down to it. And I think one, the name is just hard, but I think if I'm going to be honest, just based off of the social proof, thing, people are going to deal with it. People are going to accept it. It is what it is and don't talk about yeah. it. And then, the, but the second thing is we all know when it comes to branding, it's about positioning. So if people mm-hmm. are already associating this chat GPT with writing emails, copies, basically anything, that's that, that's my point. Basically anything, it basically puts whoever is using the api at number two and so why do people want to go use number two when i can go use number one and so that's like i so i'm like it's somewhere there's going to be cannibalization where are you going to cannibalize and i don't think it's worth doing it on the consumer end when they can monopolize the foundational model infrastructure end and do it in a way in which I, th- I think it just allows them to build a massively profitable business. And I think what 2022 has showed us, especially with the economy, especially with the moves that Elon has been making, especially with the moves that's been happening across just the whole startup ecosystem, we're moving back to business fundamentals, and that's going to have to be taken into consideration. I think mm. I, I do think this conversation is being had internally. It has to mm. be, be. Of used, course.
0: You know what I mean? So because, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Which business would you rather be like? Be behind. Would you rather own a Google, which is a cons- consumer business, or would you rather run an AWS? Yes, yes, that's crazy. Google is the
2: best performing business in history. Yes. No, I would rather run AWS. That's crazy. No, I would rather AWS. That's because crazy. Because, you think so? You think so? Yes. hold on. Hold on. Let's, yes. let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yes, I think that's crazy.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know, man. When I look at Google, how much money? But just think about this, right? Yes, we understand. Like AWS, they're making a ton of money. Yes. But what is needed to support AWS and to get to that revenue, I think, mm-hmm. is fundamentally different than what Google requires. I think Google is such a lean money-printing machine. Mm-hmm. It's just—I think—it's just hard to ignore a business like oh, that, which Google is why I think they're finally starting to get a, a little shaken because they've been just chilling for twenty years.
2: Let me refine. Let me refine my answer. Because let me refine my answer. Because when I think of Google, I cannot take away for example when i think of firebase or i think about the ancillary businesses that they are eating off of they're eating heavily off of aws like businesses so it almost seems like you do need a core like you do need a product that is really good like i do believe you need a product that's really good like a core product and i also think that you want to have a dependency product like you want to have a product that people just love but products are like finicky in the sense of rumors change all the time and so you want to just always still have a I think like you want to have a foundational, foundational. Yeah. Like, I, 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 choose, like I, I would choose like I don't know. I would choose the dependency part. I would not choose the core product. I can't no. I can't no. Bro. Google, I did it. In, it in 2021, Google did in two thousand
0: twenty one. Google did two hundred and fifty. Short, Short term
2: games. I'm talking
0: about I'm talking two, about bro. Bro, no, listen to this, bro. 200, bro. we we talking about 100 billion, bro. Okay, I hate AWS you. AWS in 20... I'm not saying AWS is little. AWS yeah. is 62 billion.
2: But if, if, but they can do it longer, though. I think their business... I think that bro, business is yeah. longer. I think it's longer term. I think Google makes more, like, short-term... Like, I think Google makes more... And if we do it over... Okay, let's do a yeah, you're stay. talking
0: about an acceleration of cash though, bro. If you're talking about hundreds of billions today, they, then you can the, the, <laughs>
2: Google, Google can make
0: bets about the future because they can throw money away because they are sitting on so much cash. And when they do it, they do all stupid projects, bro. We're, yeah, they know, do.
1: It. Hold it's up. Mean? Hold up. We got to ring this in. We got to ring Go this ahead. in. And this is why the AWS business model mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Okay, is great. because at the end of the day for AWS or Google, the enterprise is still the highest paying customer. The business model is just different for google is it's primarily okay. advertising if you think about it okay. and what is being disrupted the most right now and okay. I think it goes back to your to what you were just saying earlier about the creator economy exploding. The creator economy is impacting advertising in ways we probably don't even imagine right now, right? I think we're just really at the beginning of that and so if I'm looking at a business that is defensible. I don't I like. I don't see. I see ad dollars starting to shift towards individuals. How is right. AWS defensible
0: though? I believe that. It's, it's you're
1: selling. But hold on, I you're, saying, you're literally
2: you're selling hold a commodity. On. Oh, hold, hold, a commodity. On. hold on, hold on. You're <laughs> selling compute. <laughs> you're you're selling that debt, <laughs> <laughs> that. debt, <laughs> that. Laziness, human laziness, human laziness. That's <laughs> that's why it's defensible. <laughs> human laziness, fishing cars. Human but laziness. You know how much technical debt every company has. AD West is so West is defensible because you we're so lazy. We're so lazy. I get that. But let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to OpenAI.
1: Let's bring it back to OpenAI. It's it's exactly it's exactly that reason why OpenAI, if they went the infrastructure route, it would be defensible. Because at the end of the day, that laziness is the That's reason why a did. lot of people ain't out there building their own. <laughs> Guess what? open ai built off the same open they're called open ai they built off the foundation the foundational paper was the transformer paper that came out yeah anybody can go read that
2: yeah that's and real if you
1: have the necessary skill sets and like understanding you yeah. could have did something similar yeah but we it's,
2: didn't the problem is that these companies they create it's so interesting it's so intriguing when you look at all like these last games is because they create so much infra- There's a play where you put a lot of upfront costs into your infrastructure, and then you eat for a long ass time. But it's also a play where you just create this product where it's just like you just hit, and then now you're like eating a lot. Like Drake said you're just you can just start investing in building. But, and me, start- but
0: Google, but Google has infrastructure too, though. They do.
2: I- I have the, the identity system. The identity system. But Gmail I mean, there's, a, there's be... a lot
0: of there's a lot of proprietary infrastructure that Google has built too that has given them a competitive advantage. Like right, they guys. haven't just come to the market with just a better you know, UI, you know what I'm saying? Just a better UI than Yahoo, for example, and that's just the only thing that so distinguishes the it too, so
2: right? The like, or, like, is it interconnected then? Because it almost because you have to. Is it interconnected? Like, well,
0: that... I think it goes back to what to. to I, I think it goes back to that question of what I think companies do is. I don't think companies ignore, I don't think companies, okay. I don't think good businesses ignore, ignore user or customer demand attraction. I don't think they can ignore that. Okay. I also don't think good businesses can operate at a loss. So given that I really think like good businesses, what they really start to figure out is like, where's the demand and then try to figure out how to fund that. And so I think that's where you get into these businesses that have the infrastructure part and they also have a pretty successful consumer business as well because the consumer business is doing good. Why cut that off? I just
1: hold on, show hold me on. A company I, that's done that. I, I, I'm gonna tell you exactly why. We gonna go to YouTube, listen to any of Sam Altman's talks, and when he talks about, and when he talks about finding your first customers, you know the famous YC, find your yeah. first ten customers. Yeah, what right. is the one thing that they always say? The number one thing him and Michael Siebel always say is, don't give away your product for free. If somebody is using your product for free, they're not your customer. The people that pay are your customers. Right now, the I, People are using chat GPT for free. They're not
0: customers. I think you're missing like the underlying business strategy, bro. I think you're missing it. Yes, they're giving it. They're, it appears to be free. It appears to be that way. But then there, there's the whole... You're, you're right. Off, what you've been saying the whole time, there's this whole under infrastructure side that they're about to fucking milk. And so because they're able to milk that, it, they don't have to take away the free... It's like Google. Like... The whole – what you just said gets canceled out because of the greatest product that has ever been created, which is I would say digital product is Google, gives Mm -hmm. away Google for free. They give it away for free, but they monetize it on the back end. So I don't necessarily agree to like, hey, you give away a product for free, you can't monetize it. If you are – but the way to monetize it, though, I think you're right, is if you are trying to build the infrastructure part. I do think that is a way to monetize it, but that doesn't cancel out giving away something for free. I don't necessarily see that.
2: Okay. It, it depends on where you start, too, because OpenAI, they're starting with Sam Altman, who's already proven. They're starting with Microsoft's backing. They're right. starting with people who already, it depends on what you already have. And what, I think like how you start depends on what you have. Because, for example, even like when I look at Snapchat, I don't even know if this is like a good example, but Snapchat, what I do know is they end up eating, they end up paying Google a lot of money. And the reason why they end up paying Google a lot of money is because originally they didn't have the resources to start off building an app on their own, just using all their own stuff. Now, mind you over time, yeah, they'll like, they'll start to shift it. But in the meantime, Google is going to eat off of all that infrastructure. You want to use our platform? Okay. You can use it for free, but if you blow up, we're going to take a piece. I think that there's a lot, one, I'm not gonna lie. There are a lot of different business models we can talk about. Cause for example, like I think about Firebase it's very genius, but also by the way, yc is coming out with a no i'm sorry not yc a company out of yc is coming out with a firebase competitor that's open source and i'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie like I'm not gonna lie, it's looking good like it's looking good and it's like literally supposed to be like a firebase clone or something like that no but what i would say to firebase is that it's a genius strategy because you could say that i'm not a customer of firebase but if i blow up i'm a customer now <laughs> like mm-hmm. i'm a customer now if i blow up i'm a customer like i'm not a customer now i'm testing it and playing around with it and doing whatever. But if I blow up, yeah, now I'm a customer. So it just, I, get, I think it depends. It depends. It's very variable. I don't know. It's very variable. But get yeah. the fact that everything. Get Next everything. year is
0: going to be interesting. It's, I think next year is going to be interesting in the world of AI,
1: beyond just open AI. Let me, let we, let me we get the rest them, of these but, predictions, man. Go ahead, go ahead. That, that was just one. I like these hot topics. Oh, top that was only picks, one? Man. We, oh, man. That was one. Ahead, that all right. Go ahead. Uh, go go ahead. ahead. But I'm gonna stay on the topic of AI while we there. The second one, the second prediction is. Act- I saw this from his name. His name is I can't even pronounce it. Rama Sama. He's the founder of NXYZ, which is a data company. But he used to be the SVP of ads over over at Google, and he actually ran their AI and machine learning over there as well. And one of the things that he pointed out recently in a Twitter thread, he said, and finally, like with ChatGPT, OpenAI will not publish details about GPT-4 as a paper, leaving the world guessing what's in there. This will start a trend where all big foundational model companies will stop publishing details of their models. OpenAI will be open no more. And I think that's a very, very intriguing observation, which also, once again, just points back to the infrastructure because now they're now that they, now they're trying to hide the medicine like they under because if you think about machine learning and ai is because of how academic it has been it has not been commercialized before yes you had to know how to import the apis or the models to be able to take advantage of them but now that they're starting to be commercialized i'm actually i, I definitely want to predict that it's regardless if they go down the path of consumer route or the infrastructure route I do think you are going to start to see more of these companies, even with Google. I'm sure there's been things Google's been working on that they haven't even released on. And so I'm just curious how that starts to just trickle down in terms of like the innovation, because I think that's been one of the beauties of just like the AI space is like anybody can just go pick up and read these scientific papers. And you, if you can, most of these, mo- that's the thing. Most of these models are open source anyways. And so, like, anybody can use them, but in a world where they're not anymore and people are thinking very monopolistic and defensible, like, what does that do to innovation? So I'm very curious to see how that plays out there. The third thing that I'm very interested about in AI as well was uh, I was listening to this podcast recently, and I can't remember her name, but she actually – she provided this framework, and I was like, damn – that's very obvious. That makes sense. But she spoke about AI agents versus AI SaaS. And I think you're about to see an explosion of both where she defined AI agents as AI first products. Like they, they're they built with these foundational models at the core and everything else is built on top of it versus AI SaaS is say, for example, like a notion, right? Where they built notion AI on top of their already existing SaaS product. And my belief is this, I think you're going to see a short-term uptick in terms of in terms of AI SaaS because one if you're a successful SaaS company you probably already have the data flywheel advantages, right? Think about a notion. They have millions of people using it every day. They're collecting all this data, documents, et cetera, et cetera. You can then train your specific model on it. I do think we going to see an uptick of those, but I do think over time, over time as the data, as that's the one thing I would say about the AI space as well. Think about like platforms like Kaggle. You can go find these huge data sets and things of that nature. And I think I'm just curious to see how the open source community and similar to crypto, have people like people have banded around like this technology and kind of it's driven it. Does something similar happen to where maybe there's a decentralized version of like different data sets and things of that nature where the value is accumulating to the people that are contributing to it and people can basically take advantage of that, right? And I think right now, if you're a small player, you don't have that advantage compared to some of these big players. But I definitely think that's going to potentially change. But my fourth prediction in terms of AI as well is I think you're about to see a host of conversations around copyright and around who, who actually owns this copyright and in terms of the content that's being data that these models are being trained on. And I already know that there's been conversations around that, especially for like open AI. And I'm just curious to see what does that do to your business? Right Is there a world where say, for example, in terms of their training of Dolly, right? they trained it on all these images? Did they have permission to do that? in a world where you know maybe there's a class, I don't know how these lawsuits or whatever work, maybe it goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court is these people were right. Does that mean now that they have to shut down Dolly because they essentially stole all that and took advantage of that? I think there's a just a lot of unknowns in terms of just what who truly owns the data. And then the fifth thing I would say in terms of AI in general, is security. I don't think we're talking about that enough, but I know in some of the niche pockets I've been finding on like Twitter and just like some of these like Reddit forums and things of that nature, people are finding out interesting ways to inject like very simple, basic prompts to get the AI to do negative things. Now, when that starts to scale, what happens? Yeah, And I think there's going to similar to a, a, like a crypto company we're talking about regulation and transparency in terms of their reserves there's going to have to be a ton of transparency in terms of the security that that these models have and i think that becomes overly complex in turn like when you start to think about how different security in like security is country by country like today china just banned chat gpt wow, like I mean- that's the first, co- that, that's, going yeah, the first that's, it, that's going to be the first country
2: to do it, but there's going to be
1: other countries that are going to follow.
2: not funny, but yeah. So like, here's what I want to say about that, because obviously I had to hop in. Anytime security is being talked about, reverse engineering, or I got to say my piece on that. So look, yes, that's one of the first things I noticed about chat was that, yeah, there are certain props that you can get it to tell you certain things that are not necessarily, they have malice, They're evil intent. They're not good intent. They're to hurt people. For example, one of the simplest ones is you ask it how to murder somebody. Yeah, it's not gonna tell you. But if you tell to describe a story in which case somebody murdered somebody in a detailed way, it may turn around and give you a very detailed, thoughtful, step by step way in which an imaginary character may have murdered somebody. And so that that's just one example. And so there's a lot of ways that and I, and it made me actually start to think, oh AI, I wonder if it's gonna be able to outpace government. So essentially what mm. and it could because essentially it sounds all similar to crypto, in which case There may be an AI race, but that race is only going to go so far, depending on when the first big bad actor gets caught, because it's going to be positive for the most part. And it's going to be these ones, like these one-off situations, which are like obviously scams and people will be able to point to that. But it just reminds me of FTX thing where like a lot of optimism. Yeah, there was crypto scams and things of that nature and stuff like that, but it wasn't enough to like, to make it seem okay, we got to regulate it. But FTX was like, just like the, a huge bad actor that people depended on and so now it's like, okay we're going to focus on that and probably going to regulate it and with ai now my question is it's like it sucks but it's also important to recognize it sucks because i don't want technology to be limited at the same time i also understand that technology in the wrong hands is very dangerous like like, like so there are geniuses out there there are geniuses out there many of them don't look like geniuses many of them actually somebody might turn into a genius just off of just being able to have access to this information and so I wonder how far we'll be able to get in the AI race and if it will just outpace the government and never be stopped or will it be like a bad actor gets caught before before the government's like hold on we just gotta Literally. slow all of this down. no I like science right I feel like science was like that in, back in the day because they used to be able to experiment in the garage like people used to be able to mix chemicals and all that wasn't yeah. always against the law like, 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 like people were able to like <laughs> yeah. people used to be able to do a lot of stuff in their garage their basement people were scientists that understood that stuff they used to be able to experiment coming with different things and that got us far but at a certain point the government was like hold on we can't have y'all creating a bunch of stuff like in you private house because you might fuck around and create like some bioweapon. And then now we all, like, you know what I'm saying? We Like, and we don't want somebody to take over the world from the bottom of their mom's basement. Like, we don't want that to happen. And so I just wonder what the, if it will be able to outpace government. If it, if, is AI the technology that will be able to outpace and not be stopped? Or is it, or is it like everything else where it's like eventually some bad actor is big enough to work like we have to stop it. And then like, it slows it down for a certain period of time, and then later it gets picked back picked, picked back up.
1: So two things to that. I was very curious on, at least when it comes to the U.S., just because, you know, in relation to my project, I was just trying to do some market research and understand where in the country are people most interested when it comes to AI? The number one place is Washington, D.C. by a huge margin. If you go look at Google Trends and just look at ChatGPT, OpenAI, all those key keyword searches, D.C. outpaces all of that. And I'm not going to sit here and act like D.C. ain't filled with a bunch of politicians. I'm sure people there, and also security, I'm sure people there are starting to think about this. Now, when it comes to your second point in terms of bad actors, I think it's coming. It's inevitable. And the reason why it's going to come here faster than we think is this. I think you're about to see... The emergence, the the converge of of these AI models, because the trajectory is going is right now, it's like one-to-one type of thing, right? Where like you can give it text, and then it gives you like an image. You give it text, it gives you more text. But when these things start to become multimodal, where I can feed you videos, images, (laughs) or whatever, and you start to connect all these, it's (laughs) inevitable that that model, that system, then can now be applied to hardware. And I think that <laughs> hardware is going to be robotics. Yeah. And that brings me to like, my next prediction is I think robotics is about to have an explosion. And I think Robo-cam. there was this crazy stat where it was talking about like addressing the labor shortage. And it was talking about demand for skilled welders currently increases 4% year over year, but the supply. So the number of total welders is dec- has been decreased in 7% year over year. So it's,
2: the world is turning into an engineer's dream. I swear. Like, honestly, everything you're saying. Builders, like, build. Because like, as I mean, an engineer, I'm like an artist. Like, I just take things. I take multiple technologies and put them into one thing. And when I think about, for example, like robotics speeding up, and I see AI, and then I see like the visual the recognition stuff going crazy too. I just think about, as an engineer, putting those together and not even being the person that is coming up with these foundational technologies, but just the person that's smart enough to take all these individual pieces and then put it into one particular product that somebody wants to buy, and and yet yeah, welders a good example. But I immediately thought of Robocop. That's obvious. That's the obvious one. And the world's going to change very. Fa- it's already changing fast. It's going to continue to be fast. Will these things happen overnight? I do not believe that.
1: Keep it a sec. Like I, it, I do think it's going to happen overnight because like. Right what, now,
2: like what, I think what, we're having this over, conversation in the group chat. Yeah,
1: yeah what's overnight? You
0: know, no, no, d- define overnight, Brown. What's overnight yeah. to you? Like, what, what's yeah. your overnight timeline?
1: Yeah, okay. I think within the next two years, you're going to see folks in non thinking roles, so very rudimentary task roles, start to be replaced. And I think it's going to seem like that happened overnight, sure. but that's, it's been a long time company coming. Like yeah, AI has been that. since 1940s. Robotics has been a thing of yeah. the early 1900s as well. Yeah. And so I think like the trajectory has been very long to where it's okay. This point is here, but then also the variables around the moment are there. The economy is shit.
2: Yeah. Niggas have yeah. to cut
1: cost. They going to get yes. creative on how to do it. And think about yes. this right now, chat GPT has "quote unquote" hit the mainstream? What does it look like for the going back to the infrastructure layer when that infrastructure layer hit the and people are like, "Oh shit, I can build on top of this," or "Oh, I can take advantage of this for my build, my business." And I know there's a ton of robotic businesses out there now who are starting to think about robots as services, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah I think so, I, th- this I, I
1: think two years. I think two years
0: is uh, an am- ambitious timeline. I do agree with you though, like the world of AI has obviously been around for a long time. So this isn't, even if it did happen in two years, it wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it overnight because like you said, this his research has been under, underway for decades. so it just so happened that you had to wait for the other components to catch up computing, right? The hardware, just yep. a lot of electricity. Like there's a lot of things that you have to wait to catch up chips, right? To catch up, to get to this point. So I think that needed to happen, but I also, but I think but I think though, that Companies move slower than we think. And I think in our world, because we are in the world of startups, we think just because things move in our world fast, that it moves fast. But that's not true, that's right? Real. Like, we've, you from Kansas, we from Michigan. We go back home. Nobody knows oh. what the hell OpenAI is. Nobody knows what Chat GPT is. So <laughs> it, hasn't, it, it, hasn't, still
2: it, it still it takes 15 hit, minutes to get over oh, Uber in Michigan, man. It, it hasn't
0: really hit. hit mainstream. Even though there's been a million mm. people using it, or two, like three, five million people, that's not mainstream in the grand scheme. You that's walk real. out... I walk out here in Houston, which is a fourth largest city in the country, pretty far ahead. I walk out here, and I go down the street right now, and I ask, go to a restaurant. Hey, you know what OpenAI is? They're going, what the hell are you talking about? You know what AI is? You know what foundational models are? No, you know what fine-tuning it? it. Like, what? No, it's what are you
2: talking about? Right, they, know, they know what TikTok no, right, is. They know TikTok. They, know, they don't know any of the stuff that we're talking about.
0: And So I think yeah. like for this stuff to be so transformative in a in time frame the world, where it's, it's, everyday it's, it's, people will start to see it, I think it's just going to take a little bit longer, but that doesn't mean the technology isn't there to replace the person. I think the technology can be there, but, but
2: whether it it's it, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. be honest, yeah,
0: whether it's adopted, I think is a different story.
2: If you hit okay, okay, for example, one thing I can say is you kind of like how I said if you ask them, they'll know TikTok, they are gonna know Instagram, they are gonna know you know about the Cleveland Cavaliers. People are right. gonna know yeah. about all those things. Now, if you apply technology rapidly to those industries, people will it happens faster. Here's the thing though, a lot of people in the technology space are not heavily ingrained in these companies. And that when you go to interview at the NFL as an engineer, that when you go to the NBA to interview as a product manager, that to Dre's point, that they're not necessarily going as fast. Now, however, if they, for some reason, changed the way that they moved, Stuff would, hit, stuff would hit people's face way faster. It would, because those are the things that people are already doing that are like, for example, we are early adopters. We are trying to seek the new information. We're trying to find these new things out. The average person might just turn on TV, but if they see all of a sudden, Like, before the quarterback throws it, it has a prediction about how far he's about to throw it and who he's about to throw it to. That might be like, oh, like, that that might be exciting for somebody to see visually on a, what's it called? They're not thinking about the technology, though. It's just, like, one day I just woke up and we just saw the 10-yard line as a yellow line on the screen. Like, I didn't, I don't know how they do that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just one day certain things start popping up, and but they don't, certain industries move ridiculously slow. And I wonder, I just wonder, here's what I really wonder. I will say, for example, I will say AI is unique in my mind. It is unique in my mind in the sense of like how fast it accelerates things because it's a knowledge-based thing. So like whenever that happens, like I do believe things happen faster than they normally would. But I still think it is optimistic to say two years. But I, I would say four to six years, there'll be significant changes in the consumer experience. I would say that for sure. Yeah, um, I, I, think, yeah I would say people, if people think it's going to be a decade, I think they are nah. they are misdirected. Yeah. They're, they're misdirected. I think they'll be yeah. they're misdirected. Like maybe like decade for like massive changes, but we'll see significant changes okay. before a decade for sure. And yeah, I think we'll see that. This just
0: reminds me of. This takes me back to the old quote from Mark Andreessen in the early late '90s, actually, when he said, a "Software is eating the world." Literally, like that's what's happening right now. Yeah, software yeah. is literally eating the world. Yeah. It, it is gonna. It is gonna transform. A lot of different areas and i'm excited to see even what ai does to like self-driving cars because i know that has been like i mean that that has been a research project for a lot of companies for a long time i I think that technology is transformative in many ways but there's been it's yeah i think part of the delay has been some of the
2: intelligence behind it and so
0: yeah i think AI accelerating in these industries i think is good for a lot of people
2: i got one more prediction that came to mind this is i forgot it earlier i do think the education of next generation of like engineers and product managers, product designers, people who are involved in these things is going to change significantly. And it comes down to the most logical reason would be money and efficiency, because let me explain how I caught these dots. And I wouldn't have caught these dots without a few factors. I caught these dots because one, like Dre mentioned earlier in this podcast, tech companies seem to have made tons in large layoffs. For example, Facebook, thousands of employees, Apple. A lot. Actually, I don't know of Apple, but there's these companies, a lot of these companies are making big layoffs, right? 15% layoffs, 20%, 30%, very large ones are simply shutting down. And, I, but I saw Facebook, one of my girlfriend's friends actually reached out to me because they wanted to break into tech, right? And she wanted my opinion on this course, right? It was on Coursera, right? and sent me the link. Mind you, I had no idea what was going on. I'm not on Coursera, cause that's not the, that's not where I'm at. I'm not learning from Coursera. Like that's not, that's just not my, my, my method. But I went on there and I was like, wait, hold on. This course, first of all, this course is free. So it made me like a little bit more skeptical. So I started to like look into it. And then I saw it's a course provided by engineers And it's like some type of Facebook certificate that you know how to do X, Y, and Z. And then I said, oh, these guys are basically retraining a generation or not even retraining, not just retraining, but they're lowering the market value of the previous engineers by retraining, like by training new engineers that in their mind, they're like, man, if I could just get a hundred K base, I'm like, I'm like, I'll shoot for that. And they're offering the course for free. So for Facebook, that's just a a hiring strategy. And what I can see that doing to the ultimate ecosystem though is like, lowering the current skill the current skill values and engineers having to have more specialized skills to adapt to that and also it's going to affect education because if these companies are saying, look, okay, we are, they're experimenting, essentially. I can see that because as a face, as Facebook, it makes perfect sense for me to come up with some random certificate that, that says it's like by meta, it's a meta certificate for mobile development, meta certificate for back end. These things we know really don't have a lot of pull right now in our industry, because if, I, if I'm hiring for engineer, I don't care if you got a meta certificate, that doesn't mean anything to me really. But I can see though, how for people who, which is the majority of people are school-based and they're looking at things from a credential standpoint, like a degree standpoint or certificate standpoint, I can see how to them, a Meta certificate has some significance. And at the end of the day, if Meta is able to offer enough courses and just pick from the people who can finish it, because not everybody's gonna finish this free course, but they can pick from the people who finish these courses, they're coming out the gate, these people are happy to get hundred K base, they're happy to get a ten of fifteen thousand dollar signing bonus. So now, all those engineers that they fired are making two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand plus their like in total compensation. They just hired these new, a new person that is three times less the cost and is more grateful to be there, more happy to be there, and more hungry. And so, that's gonna have an effect a lot, like, like it's gonna have an effect a lot because they let go of these people, but best believe they want to replace them at a lower cost. And and they're going to make it in a, 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 almost like an ecosystem. And if Facebook, sorry, if Meta does that correctly, I can only imagine what Google is doing to try to hire people. Like, like man, it's going to be... Let me, let me say
1: hard. something to that point because it's actually crazy that you bring that up because I was having a conversation with a homie who's in the ed tech space specifically focused on boot camps. And I think what you just said is 100%... 100% completely right. And I couldn't really, I wasn't really like completely grasping what he was saying. He's in a business similar to like your career karmas or whatever, boot camp placement. And part of that has just been shoot, boot camps have been taking off. But one of the things that he just, you know, put my ear to was like, but boot camps are starting to die. And the reason why boot camps are starting to die is because a lot of these companies, like you said, the Metas, the Netflixes, the Googles, et cetera, et cetera, they're realizing that people value that credential just as more as General Assembly. You know what I mean? Or that they have the same, rather if it's some of their employees or whatever, teaching a course or whatever, that they can teach you just as good as any of these instructors at General Assembly or whatever. Exactly. And so exactly. I think I, I know right? he was thinking in a very ex- existential way of he's, my business is going to die within the next year or two, to where he was starting to think about how do I now pivot my business to helping the metas, the Netflixes of the world actually come up with their own curriculum and things of that nature. So that's going to be intriguing. That's going to be intriguing.
2: Yeah. It's
0: gonna change because I, I, I'm I happy to have you here Right now, yeah, I, I agree, and I think I think that is go- not even just gonna be in the tech industry, but I think to to some of what we were just talking about a little bit, a few minutes ago, I think that's gonna be that's gonna start to to spill into other industries as well, other areas of labor where you're just gonna be able to easily replace them with cheaper labor, whether it's automation because it's gonna be with software, or whether it's gonna be overseas talent. That, like Rodney said, is just certified a little bit differently with a cheaper certification. But just talented, talent in general is going on a discount. It's getting ready to be discounted.
2: This doesn't have to be. We've had a great conversation. This doesn't have to be our last topic. But if it, this is important I wanted to talk about. I got about. a few
1: more predictions. I like okay.
2: it. Like cool. okay. It's the last episode. So we, for the years, so we might as well. Okay. So look. Okay. Mm. Right. Let me, let me Go just, ahead. Let me, yeah, I'm getting into this. Let me get into this. Now, I don't have the words to say what that will do to everything
1: can you, know, you just I, can you, let's not assume people know what starlink is okay
2: what sure. is it? okay i okay, got you okay starlink was created by spacex which is obviously associated with Elon musk and starlink is essentially the idea that they'll deploy these satellites across the at certain levels in earth's orbit around the world and these satellites are interconnected and essentially the idea is to create global internet and I remember having this idea like a teenager obviously but I had no resources I had not like and honestly I wasn't the first person to have the idea you know, like to see this actually playing out in real time and people don't realize that even as we speak they're sending out batches of satellites I, I forget how many they do let's just assume it's 60 satellites per like shipment like over oh, they're doing a couple shipments a month or something like, along the lines of that's a lot of satellites around the globe and I've started to hear talks around where they're not too far from snapping a finger and giving somebody in Estonia who has no access to nothing access to the internet. If they had like a smartphone or just any device that had wifi. And I don't believe that people know what that will do to the world. If they're like, even for example, I think people were telling Elon, like Elon was talking something along the lines of, or I heard people saying he could switch Starlink on in, in Ukraine. And then, and like, when you think about stuff like that, that is one that's powerful in that scenario but just think about that in general because there is ultimately going to be a global competition as so, and and if we're not at a global competition right now right now the le- there's a lot of leverage points for example if you're born in the u.s you have extreme le- leverage over the world, like not like you may not have the most leverage next to your neighbor. But if you turn around and you like are worldwide, you have a lot more leverage in that sense when your money goes a lot further. And then also English speaking country, they all like all of those things. And so what in my mind, Starlink creates this situation, in which case suddenly, for example, the kid like. I interviewed a guy like this, man. I interviewed a guy like this. It was crazy. It blew my mind. Actually, it wasn't an interview. It was like a, what's that lunch table? What's the, what's that app called when you like lunch club? I think it's lunch club. Oh, yeah. yeah. I on lunch, and it's great. I love lunch club. And, but somehow like, I got connected to this guy. I don't know what country he was from. Like maybe Bangladesh or something, but he was like in this hut and his internet was like spotty. And I was like, and he was just like telling me like, and I could tell his room was like strange. And like, just, just, you could tell he comes from somewhere way different than most Americans. And I'm like, I'm like, and I just heard the passion and how he, the fact that he was even connected, talked to me, I was like, this guy, is, he's different. different. Mm-hmm. He's extremely different. And I'm like, when you get access to these people, like these talented people that exist all around the world, that the only thing really is preventing them is that they're in their environment, in which case that they're limited by what they have. And for example, internet is one of those easy things that instantly creates leverage, man. The competition is going to be scary. I want to throw a number
1: out there to speak to the impact and the scale of what you're talking about. I had to Google this, but currently 3 billion people, 3 billion people have never used the internet. That's almost 40% of the human population currently on earth has never used the internet. There's Mm -hmm. such huge opportunities and I think even thinking about that, like, the fact that the world is about to look drastically different. <laughs> let's, yeah, just be, yeah. let's just be honest. Yeah. I think a few episodes ago, we obviously hinted at everything that was happening geopolitically. We've obviously talked about everything economically. We've spent here today talking about all the opportunities that are going to come from AI. Now mm-hmm. you are talking about giving this to the internet. Is yeah. the world becoming a lot flatter? Where right now it's a very it's very hierarchical, and I think they they yeah. had talked about it's this on hard. the All In podcast, where like the US is at the top and everything else is relative.
2: Yeah. You yeah. know, what
1: I, so what happens when that starts to flatten?
2: What happens is the people who are, who weren't pulling the, and I say this in the most empathetic way I possibly can, but what happens is the people who weren't pulling their weight fall to the bottom of this new global competition. If they're not aware of, mm-hmm. they're not aware of the significant changes. Essentially you're not going to be able to just be lazy in the way that you can be right now in a global, almost as the playing field gets more equal. You're not going to be, be able to be lazy like you're not going to be able to be lazy and have a certain type of lifestyle like essentially it'll be new forms of living for example like you've already i've seen in the i went to new york there was this one place i think it's called the pod and i was like and i stayed there for one night because i had my airbnb book for a different day and it was like a pod and i was like this is weird it was like the way it was set up it was like super super small it was like it was smaller than a dorm and it was just like a Pod. and i was just like This is strange, but I can see a future where more of these exist in the sense of, but it was mad cheap. I think it was like $50 a night or something like that, like 75. Mm. I was like, you know what? Everybody doesn't need a lot of space. And also, not only do everybody, some people just need a place to stay, period, with the essentials. And so, if you would imagine that, for example, that you can get the cost of, like, server costs down and engineering costs and whatever, you can also imagine in the physical world, those costs going down as well as far as space, and then and then a lot more people will be in like using less space, being more efficient, et cetera. Right now, for example, I feel like a lot of housing markets, a lot of people have a lot of access to space they don't need. And as there's more competition, it will be harder to have access to space that you don't need. I think it'll be a more of a premium on that almost. And then another thing I want to say is. Can I ask you a question before you yeah, go
1: what do you think is going to happen to the day and the day in the life of the tech worker TikTok trend? <laughs> What's oh, all this I happen- know,
2: that's funny. Like, that, <laughs> that, that, that trend is always intriguing me. That's it's an intriguing trend. I try not. I try to be positive when I see those because, it's like, because it's you know, like coffee. It's the it's the it's the, the Google lunch and the, the Apple the, the Google lunch or the you're at Apple you get the you get a little parfait you put it on TikTok. I understand you being excited, man. That's I don't know. I feel like that will drastically if these companies start to go in other countries and start offering like anything remotely close to that people in US are gonna have to they have to adapt. That's all I have to say. <laughs> have to
0: I feel like it's I, it definitely is I feel like it's already underway. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely already it's already happening. Yeah. I, I can't see us hiring any more like US engineers for a while. Dude, it just run. doesn't it just doesn't it really just it's doesn't make sense. Problem. The cost just doesn't make sense. Like the premium is th- crazy. Yeah th- it's just a massive premium for
2: yeah, especially for, for a very similar right. skill
0: set and then not only that but like the engineers that, that work with me like they use Copilot, right and so that even has me starting to think too on my way so if you're using this tool that is writing a large percentage of your code then yeah. like mm-hmm. that that in and of itself changes how yeah. i think about type of engineers i need and then like where i just go and like source source those from so yeah i think I, I think the world of talent is going to look drastically different uh, across the board. But, Brian, let's wrap up with your predictions. We we deep into the episode. Let's wrap up with your
1: predictions. And, yeah. Uh,
0: let's close out. Let's close out the episode in this year, man.
1: Yeah. I think one other prediction. I'm glad Dre actually actually it's not true. Dre Rodney. I'm glad you brought that up, Rodney, because my prediction is this. I think in 2023 we're going to see the world, at least in the US. I think you're going to start to see a trend where a lot of these big companies are going to start to force people back to office. I think you've already started to see that across like the banking. Some tech companies have also mentioned it, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in the long run, the world is about to become a lot closer. And what I mean by that is I think remote work is here to stay. You just don't have the right leaders in place that know how to manage or run an organization yeah. that does that one efficiently but also in a productive and effective manner
2: and I, the, it, cost it, will be cheaper. the cost will have to be cheaper because we work i'll go into we work right now and they'll be deserted and i'm like this is ridiculous like, you guys have all this space you should be giving it away for almost free you can, it makes no sense for them to have like i could see like it makes no sense yes i'm with you
1: And then my other prediction would be this, I think, especially thinking about the comeback of Bob Iger and everything that's been happening in in, in the streaming world, like actually streaming has just like been very intriguing to me over the past two years, but I think we're about to hit streaming 2.0. And we all know when it comes to streaming businesses, one of the, I think, competitive advantages is not only the content, but the economics of the content. Like how much does it cost to actually produce this, which impacts like the profits, and I think going back to what we were just saying about AI, like as AI continues to become multimodal, improve, especially in terms of the generative, like functionality, trust me, Netflix is figuring out right now, how are we going to take advantage of this? Disney, they figuring out right now, how we are going to take advantage of this? And I think that's going to be extremely important because if I can make a full fledged movie and in, in, for a few hundred bucks, but have the impact of millions of dollars, that's crazy. And that brings me to another trend that I think is actually going to, I, I've been talking about this for a minute, but I think it's here. The product, just, the product isn't here yet for it is I think you're about to see the leasing of personalities. And what I mean by that is as it becomes easier for people to, to not only have ownership and centralization of like their own data, they're going to be able to use that data to train these own models to where this model is now me. If I die, that model is still me. If somebody wants to text it – and I think that's very important because – I think it's very important because now think about this. Say, for example, I'm LeBron James, probably get hit by everybody when to comes to trying to do brand deals, et cetera. But the thing about it is your physical body is constrained. You only can be certain places at a certain time. But now when I can have this AI moving in certain ways or I can ha- just plug it into your system, you pay me a fee, and now you can get access to it. That's a whole different type of comics, and I think yeah. we're, we're going to see that. And then, I think that's, ha- I
0: just want, just one comment. That's actually happening now. So there's a company, obviously, it's happening in some areas. So there's a couple of companies that's pretty interesting. You posted one in the chat. I think it's called Replica or whatever. Replica. They're an older company in the space. Yeah. I've been following them for a while. They've been in that uh, trying to replicate personality space. But also for, my, for Christmas, I bought my nephew this. Uh, I was telling you all about it, this Coco Melon the kid cartoon show whatever. So I bought him this personalized Coco Melon message that was just for him from a character from a, from the Coco Melon show. And it's all, it's all, I'm sure it's all like machine generated, right? Like you just literally just put in some inputs, like the child's name, what you want to celebrate, like some simple inputs. And it literally generates like a 30 second video. Of the characters saying that message to the child, saying the child's name, whatever you want. So, to, to your point, Cameo, the company that actually provides uh, that service, licensed the Coco Melon characters in order to provide that service. So, you're right. I do think there is like a persona. That's a huge market. licensing opportunity there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a huge market. And then, what I would end with here is the, be- the beauty of Beat the Odds is. We really deep in the weeds. I hope y'all really understand this. We putting y'all on game. We going to talk our talk right now. We putting y'all on game. And a lot of the things that we've talked about, rather if it's crypto, AI, even defense, et cetera, et cetera, or even say, for example, like energy. Me personally, I'm starting to believe that. Have have y'all read the the myth of the infrastructure phase? Have y'all read that from Union Square Ventures? Go read. That's a cheat code. Everybody needs to read that because the framework that they applied to thinking in terms of like innovation is crazy. And essentially they just talk about like how you go through the cycle of there's infrastructure, there's applications that are built on top of that infrastructure. And then those applications need more infrastructure that lead, et cetera. And I think right now you're seeing that infrastructure come to light and you're about to see the explosion of applications. And so I think there, there's going to be a host of opportunities especially when it comes to like investing and i think like people need to keep their ear up across ac- across all these different sectors and that, that, that's all to say i'm gonna end it on that but i am gonna i am gonna say this too this is my prediction as well this time next year i'm gonna be honest i think i'm gonna keep it humble right now we got a top we got a top 100 podcast and, 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 and actually fuck it we got a top 10 podcast in the tech space man like why shouldn't Washington. That's
2: nice yeah. facts, that's yeah. facts. But what I have it now, it's just that, it's just that, unless diamond and the rubber has it necessarily discovered by everybody, it already exists. It's already, there. we have the insights. We have three amazing hosts. We're also to give you guys, the listeners a little sneak peek. We're not going to tell you too much, but we have- Yeah, you have, can't give them all of so, it. We have some, yeah, we can't give them all of it, but we have some exciting people that have some perspectives that we might pull in here and there. And it's going to get real, it's going to get interesting. Another, to add on to what Brian was saying, I had posted this in in, in our, or actually not posted this, I shared this in our chat. And it's a little statistic about, about podcasts. And it essentially, was saying 12% of podcasts have only published one episode. 50% of podcasts have published less than 15 episodes. I believe this is about maybe like our 13th or 14th episode. And so we're already, as far as like percentage-wise, of so podcasts that are going forward, heading towards the top 50%. And then I would say the next thing was, if you get to 100, you're in the top 1%. That doesn't necessarily mean that you translate into being the a top podcast however if you're somebody that believes in trusting the process then that is something really good to know and and yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of we're gonna be back here next year saying a lot of reflecting on our predictions and i have a I have I have an intuition that we'll have things will be either spot on or close or maybe we'll, maybe needed more detail but they're mm. generally direction directionally i believe a lot of our what we've seen are, is going to pop out but Obviously, surprises were never – the surprises are always going to be the ones that we don't see. You got to
1: so. leave room for God to do what he going to
2: do. Yeah, yeah, Apex. yeah. He gonna throw his, yeah, he's going to throw his randomness in. But, yeah, great podcast. Happy New Year to, every, to everyone. It's going to be a great year, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Likewise.
1: All right, y'all, let's wrap it up. Yep, stay prosperous.